0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This
1: is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: By the time I left office, household income was near its all-time high, and the uninsured rate had hit an all-time low, and wages were rising, and poverty rates were falling. Uh, I mention all this just so when you hear how great the economy is doing right now, let's just remember when
1: this recovery started. And now, Stacy Washington.
3: Welcome to the program. Guess what? It's Friday. We made it through the Kavanaugh hearings. <laughs> Today is the last day. And there's so much news to cover. Welcome to Stacey on the Ride here on American Family Radio, Urban Family Talk, urbanfamilytalk.com, AFR.net. That's how you can reach us and talk to us other than calling into the show, which today's Friday, so I'd be happy to talk to you. 866 963 2037. We have guests today, guests, 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 and it's going to be fantastic. We have in our two, Richard Lim. He's a popular guest on the show. Whenever he comes on, he's the host of the podcast, This American President. He's a researcher and a really great commentator from the historical perspective. He always brings us facts and information about our previous presidents and the history of our nation that are just so good. So we're going to be so happy to talk to him. And then we also have, in our one, Mason Weaver. He's back again. Um, We're going to be talking about this whole uh, Cory Booker. He wanted to break the Senate rules so badly and he just wasn't able to pull it off and then he made a spurious comparison of himself to Spartacus which is interesting because Spartacus was like a barbarian, a fighter, uh you know, this was this was no uh, he he didn't get his nails done. This wasn't a guy who spent time in bathhouses and just, you know, chilled. He was a warrior. And so Cory Booker declared he was Spartacus, and we have more to get into on that. And we're also going to be talking about I'm kind of running down the week and talking about some of the successes of the Obama or well, Obama was successful in trying to take credit for the economy. We're going to talk about Trump's successes, successes of the Trump economy and how really President Trump has put something into motion that is kind of unprecedented. And while Barack Obama tries to take credit for it, Donald Trump is getting credit in some ways, like from CNBC and from from a, a few sites and there are some reports on it, but on television, you just don't see it. So we're going to unpack all of that. But right now, I want to get the rough news out of the way first. And so that has to do with immigration. And we're talking about a local sheriff who fears that sanctuary counties could spread mayhem throughout the entire country as they're doing in his area of the country, which is in Maryland. It's number six.
2: Well, in Frederick County, as across the country, listen, we're seeing the impact of uh, illegal immigration crime. Uh, the drugs that are pouring into the country, but we talked about border security. We talked about uh, detainers, the issues with criminal detainers. We talked about detention and uh, bed space across the country mm-hmm. for ICE. Uh, we also uh, talked about uh, what we we're going to do as far as the strategy for border security.
4: Surely, and that's of interest to everybody. Sheriff, uh, does it frustrate you and other men and women in your uh, position? that there are sanctuary counties, sanctuary cities, sanctuary states that do not cooperate with ICE?
2: Uh, It sure does. Uh, You you know, we all feel the impact of this all across the country. And when we have a county or a state that borders us that's a sanctuary county, we certainly feel the impact because criminals know no borders.
4: Was it a good discussion yesterday?
2: A great discussion. A lot of good ideas, a lot of good proposals going forward. And uh, I really believe this president has the back of law enforcement. We appreciate Mm -hmm. him and he appreciates us.
3: So he's talking about a meeting that the president had during he's kind of had a whirlwind week uh, this this week. President Trump has where he's been uh, traveling and going to rallies. And he's also been hosting a number of different individuals at the White House. And so this was no different. In fact, just an update on where the president is right now. He's in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, and he's hosting a roundtable with supporters and delivering remarks at a reception for the Kramer Victory Fund, which is a joint fundraising committee authorized by and composed of Kramer for Senate, the North Dakota Republican Party, and National Republican Senatorial Committee. So we're we're, we're seeing this, uh, and it's a serious issue, and that's why the president had, you know, concerned individuals and in law enforcement to come in and talk about this. And when they're talking about the impact of sanctuary counties, if it will. Just think, a county encompasses, you know, it can encompass a 100 cities. 100 towns, cities, and municipalities can be located in a county. You can have a major metropolitan area and then a bunch of other small areas. And what the sanctuary city designation does is it ties the hands of law enforcement. They can't cooperate with ICE. They can arrest someone because they're under suspicion of doing a crime, And if they didn't actually do that crime, but they're in the country illegally and they're a part of the criminal element, they get dished right back out to the street where they then go on to offend. And so if this wasn't the case, if it was a case of people getting arrested because of the color of their skin and then getting dragged into these horrible jails and imprisoned and then they go back out and they're really just law abiding members of the community and they've never done anything wrong, then why would we be talking about this? Why would sheriffs be sounding the alarm bell? They're doing that because something is very wrong. What happens is they're not just arresting people under suspicion of a crime because they were jaywalking or because they were five minutes over the five, five miles over the speed limit. They're actually targeting people who are involved in felonious assault, rape, kidnapping. They're under suspect of they're suspected of being a part of the human trafficking issue that's going on across the country. And so these law enforcement officials, they know who the criminals are in their in their neighborhoods. New criminals quickly acquaint themselves with the old criminals and become known to the police. And then, when they have them in custody and they can't keep them there for lack of evidence or chain of, of evidence, whatever the issue is, and they have to release them because they're in a sanctuary county, that means that ICE can't get there fast enough to detain these individuals and deport them before they rape, assault, murder, what have you. So, if you're feeling really confident because you live in a place that doesn't have a sanctuary city and you're thinking, you know, we, we don't have that magnet for crime here because sanctuary city designation, sanctuary county designation, sanctuary state designation is a magnet for crime. MS-13 knows they can go and operate with impunity. They know that the police force there is overwhelmed and they know that there are nincompoops in charge. They know that. So they go to where, the, you know, the water goes to the lowest place. They just flow into the places where they have the least resistance. I mean, think about the survey of criminals, criminals in prison. They were surveyed about what is the number one thing they think about when they're about to or in the commission of a crime and the response overwhelmingly from convicted criminals who have nothing to lose. They have nothing, no agenda. They're not being paid. They're just being surveyed on what they're afraid of when they approach a crime scene. They're going to make it a crime scene by doing a crime. Their number one fear is that the victim, their target, is armed they're afraid to die so all of these things point to criminals being pretty crafty about preserving their own life and going to places where they'll have the least resistance so the designation of sanctuary city it should be outlawed it should be outlawed at the federal level any federal dollar that your County, city, state, that, that designation should put all of your federal funding at the entire state level in jeopardy. And I know you're, well, what about Medicaid dollars? What about, um, you know, what about SNAP? What about all of that? It should all be on the table. If you want to be a magnet for criminal activity and put your citizens at risk of being kidnapped or, and et cetera on down the line, then you should have your federal funding put on the line as well. That's how serious this issue is. And that's why the president had these people in to meet. So now I want to flip the script. It's Friday. Let's have some fun. Let's listen to Ted Cruz describe the successes that have been experienced over the past 18 months and how that going forward can only propel more success under certain conditions. It's number two.
0: People care about substance. So, so when I'm home in Texas, what I hear from Texans is that they're thrilled with the tax cuts. The economic growth we're seeing is incredible. They have more money in their pockets for their families. Texans are thrilled that job-killing regulations have been pulled back. That means the energy sector is booming, oil and gas. That 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 means farmers and ranchers have make, make, have find it much easier to make ends meet. Uh, Texans are thrilled that we came together and repealed the Obamacare individual mandate. And Texans are thrilled with the judges that have been confirmed with Neil Gorsuch and when we're fixing to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. And you know, this week, we're, we're starting today, day four of the Kavanaugh hearings. This will be the last day. And the Democrats have thrown every punch they got. They haven't managed to, to, to lay even a single glove on him. Uh, What they have had is is an orchestrated effort with protesters screaming and hollering and disrupting the proceedings. I I think the first day, 70 people were arrested. It was about every minute it seemed someone jumped up and began hollering. That, as I understand it, it's been reported, that was directly coordinated with the Democratic senators. I think that's what their extreme left-wing base demands. But I don't think that's what the American people want. The American people want justices on the Supreme Court who are going to be faithful to the Constitution, who are going to protect the Bill of Rights, protect our free speech, yeah. our religious liberty, our Second Amendment. And, and I think confirming Brett Kavanaugh continues with that ongoing commitment. And it's a major, major victory
3: for the American people. So you, so you might have noticed, and, and he's dead on there, you might have noticed that there's uh, – President Obama's trending on Twitter and Barack Obama is trending on Twitter. And that's because someone, some group gave him an ethics award today. And when he took the podium to thank them for the honor of receiving the award, he decided to use it to, you know, basically put his toe back in the political arena as a former president issuing protocol that was set by George Bush that he would not criticize the current president because he knows how difficult the job is. Well, you, you know, not Barack Obama. He's not going to abide by any precedent. So he's criticizing Donald Trump from his position of being a private citizen again. Now, what's so interesting about it is that he still hasn't learned anything. He hasn't learned that when he said you need a magic wand to fix the economy, he basically told all of us, all 320 million of us, that he never did know and will never know how an economy can be energized. Donald Trump seemed to understand how to energize it and came right on in and did so. And now Barack Obama wants to take credit for it. He has accused Donald Trump of capitalizing on resentment and urges Americans to engage in the midterm elections. Well, I can agree with him there. Broken clock. Engage in the elections. Vote like your life depends on it. Render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. And for goodness sakes, don't forget exactly how we got here. CNBC called the American economy a tremendous achievement for Trump, highlighting that during his time in office, the economy has achieved feats most experts thought impossible. And it wasn't just the experts. They were given that spirit of pessimism by Barack Obama. He's the one who told everybody it couldn't be done. You need a magic wand to go with your special unicorn that writes the op eds for you. So. During his time in office the economy has achieved feats most experts thought impossible. GDP is growing at a 3% plus rate, the unemployment rate is near a 50-year low, meanwhile the stock market has jumped 27% amid a surge in corporate profits. So instead of Barack Obama taking the podium and saying, "Thanks for this ethics award. I actually don't know what ethics mean, but I appreciate your, you know, your your gift." Here's what Americans should be doing is getting into the market because you can make some money right now. You can, you can always make money in the American stock market. Even when it's on the downturn, that's a chance to buy, at, buy low and hold until it, it rebounds. But right now, people are seeing their 401ks exploding. Everything is on the upswing. And this won't last forever. Remember, we as Christians are supposed to see opportunities And take advantage of them because we know the time is short. Boom times are short. Lean times are short. Nothing is a permanent condition. So instead of him trying to get credit for it or acting like he doesn't understand why it's happening or that it really is his doing, even though he said it couldn't be done, he should be advising Americans to take part in the economy and to be glad that it is where it is because he's benefiting from it, too. He didn't come into the White House worth $45 million, but he is now. He didn't come into the White House with the opportunity to be able to do deals with Netflix and other organizations like that, but he can now. So instead of him saying, you know, I am just so blessed that I was elected president of this country, I am just such a, a, in, in a state of honor that I would be able to partake and be a part of this wonderful country. Instead of him doing that, he's sitting up throwing stones in a totally prefab Glass house, same old Barack Obama, different day. All right, when we get back, we're going to have more for you. Stay right there.
0: of the time an abortion minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life here's the story of candace
4: the sonogram sealed the deal for me my baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope and i saw his heart beating on the screen and knowing that there's life growing inside i mean that sonogram changed my life i went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love.
0: There are currently pre-born centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love could save a life.
5: Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. There's an old saying, home is where the heart is. It's true. The nature of my ministry causes me to be away from home fairly often. But while I'm away, home is constantly on my mind. In fact, for years I've traveled with pictures of my family, and I look at them from time to time. I call home frequently just to check in and stay in touch. My connection to home helps me keep my priorities in right order in a sense all of us as christians are away from home the moment we gave our hearts and lives to jesus christ trusting him as our savior and lord we were giving a new address that address is where we are going and it's not where we are right now as christians we are indeed away from home listen to titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 13 for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation to all men Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice the juxtaposition of the phrases in the present age and looking for the blessed hope. Right now, we are looking for our blessed hope, we're eagerly awaiting his appearing. In the New Testament, one of the primary motivations for godly living is our eternal destination, our ultimate destination, our home. We're to live in a state of readiness because He can come at any moment. I'm anticipating His coming. I'm prepared for His appearing. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Home truly is where the heart is. Where's your heart? Let's ask God to help us to live like citizens of heaven. More information about the ministry of Crawford Lawrence can be found online at
0: livingalegacy.org. Welcome back
1: to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Happy Friday. It's about to be the weekend. I hope you have good plans. I'm excited to speak to our next guest, um, Mason Weaver. He's an author and political pundit an expert, really, on uh, conservative thought and politics. Mason, thank you for joining the show.
1: Always my pleasure. How are you guys doing?
3: Doing good. It's, it's a great day to be an American. Great day to be looking at Friday and the economy and the, the, the jobs numbers are just killing it. And I see because of that, Barack Obama has come out of his shell because he wants to take credit.
1: Yes, bowing down and smiling, and he's a he's a comedian in, in 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 training. I think the greatest indicator that the economy is doing greatly is the fact that even Colin Pumpernickel can get a job.
3: <laughs> well, you know what? And that's good. It's as it should be. I mean, well, you know. Our own personal opinions aside, it is good to see Americans partaking of the economy and especially groups that were left by the wayside by President Obama, the black community, the Hispanic community and anybody else who didn't fall into kind of an elite job position educated at some Ivy League university teaching women's studies. Now regular folks can just go out and get jobs You can get two jobs if you want them and you can really make some headway in this economy.
1: Two jobs that paid. Hey, I heard someone online ask a question. Name me one thing bad about the uh, Obama economy. And since the Democrats always divide us up by our race and gender, let's do that then. Black unemployment record high. Black home ownerships low. Black home business starts were low under him. He devastated the black community. He attacked like he was a military force. On the black community, uh, he, he allowed Hispanic gangs to take over black gangs. You going to go that far? So if you want to know what's wrong with the Obama economy, and also if you want to know what they have planned for you, they are promising to eliminate all the gangs, all the regulations. They're going to raise your taxes. They're going to take more control of your life. They are campaigning against success, and America is awoke. And you cannot, you cannot sneak up on a woke person. We are done with these clowns.
3: So speaking of sneaking up on somebody, somebody should sneak up on Cory Booker and tell him that he didn't break the Senate rules because the documents that he released, the 12 pages, had actually been approved and released the night before. And his office was notified, but he just refuses to, uh, you know, kind of back down. He keeps saying he needs to be kicked out because he did this when it was really nothing.
1: Well, he wants to fight. See, had he followed the rules and did things properly, we would not be talking about him right now. He needs the attention because he can't get any attention on his policies. He would become the drama. I mean, he says he is this is the Spartacus moment. <laughs> Does he know that Spartacus was killed? He, it, I think that he's just buying for attention because uh, uh, Carmilla Harris was outdoing mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and getting more attention. So he's like a little baby in the corner screaming, there's a monster under my bed. Come on, mommy, there's a monster under my bed.
3: Well, and you you brought up Camilla, and we'll get to her in just a second. But I just want to point out to folks because, first of all, a lot of our listeners may not even, like, it doesn't readily come to mind who Spartacus is. If, if you're a millennial and you're listening to the show, you, you might be thinking, Spartacus, is that, like, some kind of game? Like, what what is he talking about? It's, it's a, uh, this is a historical figure, a Thracian gladiator along with Gallus Crixus and Ganicus and Castus and Onimaeus was one of the escaped slave leaders in the Third Servile War. So the man was a slave. He was enslaved. There's actually a fantastic movie, an older movie, not the newer one. The older one is the one you want to watch. You want to watch a hero story, watch the movie about Spartacus and his life. He was a hero. He was an accomplished military leader, a former gladiator. As a slave, he was forced to fight as a gladiator, and he won. And he won all of the other slaves over to his side, so much so that when they wanted to execute him, they came for him, the Roman soldiers did, and he was like, uh, before he could say his own name, they said, which of you is Spartacus? And all the thousands of different gladiators stood up as well, all of them enslaved, and said, I am Spartacus. And that was what Cory Booker was referring to, only... Cory Booker is nothing like Spartacus. He would not be able to withstand the kind of abuse that Spartacus took or lead thousands of men by the sheer force of his will and his courage onto what amounted to a victory.
1: And, and notice that no one else stood up with him and said, I am Spartacus.
3: I am Booker. Right. No I am, I'm Cory Booker, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was probably hoping. So here's the thing. Now, look, we're talking about uh, Kamala Harris. Okay, tell me, Mason, because you you're a sage of the ages. Please, please tell me, how does she manage to get all of the attention that she gets when most of the stuff she says is also found to be lacking? That whole line of attack she leveled at Kavanaugh about him having had conversations about the Mueller investigation with someone at a specific law firm, even Rachel Maddow, who is admittedly a hardcore leftist, asked her what. would she provide the proof that the conversation occurred that caused her to take that line of questioning? And Kamala Harris starts sputtering, "Well, no, that's confidential, proof? but it is a good source." Proof. Yeah, proof. What channel am I on? You don't need proof. It's it's me, Kamala. <laughs> I, it's your girl. Yeah. She had, uh, she,
1: she had a, a brain freeze back to <laughs> when uh, Schumer lied about uh, Romney and his taxes not paying taxes and the oh, media yeah. let I think it was Schumer and the media let him get away with it without challenging him on it. And after Romney lost the election, then he came out and basically said he made it up. And so Democrats believe they can make things up. They believe they can fabricate and create. Uh, that's why the young Times feel comfortable putting out what they put out. They believe that no one's gonna call them on their lives, And now she has a situation where uh, we have other media. We have we have the Fancy Washington show. We can actually talk about things that they're not covering.
3: It's true, but I just so one of the video clips that I watched earlier today, someone was pointing out that Cory Booker and Kamala Harris are the most junior senators in the Senate Judiciary panel. They're the newest people on the on yes. the you know on the scene, and so they sit next to each other. And so it's almost like a circus between the two of them where they're constantly trying to one-up each other. And I just I, – so do you feel like Americans are watching this and they're buying it? I mean, even even as no. – let's say you're a Democrat and you're watching this and you want Kamala Harris to be a rising star. Or you want Cory Booker to be a rising star. Is this the way for them to do it, even with the Democrats?
1: You have children. I have children. We all have seen that scene before. Try to get attention from mommy. That's what they're doing, and no one is buying it. Even their own team is not buying it. You mentioned Maddow, and everyone is wondering what what kind of team are they going to put up for the election? Who is out there that's worthy that to even be considered presidential? Uh, they mention presidential for Trump all the time. Please mm-hmm. show me a Democratic potential candidate that is presidential.
3: Well, I did not those two, not those no. two, and and those two, in my opinion. They they do they have this ability to like whip up media attention, but when you when you when you realize one of them's trending, you click through, you listen to the video, and, and you're like, what's going on? And it's always a nothing burger. It's Kamala Harris's all of her questions were nothing burgers. In fact, there were some points where, and this is her mo. Like I know she used to be a prosecutor in in California, and you know, yippee. But every time she questions someone, it doesn't matter who it is, she treats them like they are a murderous, rapist thug who has done something awful and they're guilty. They've been caught in the act. There's video. And all she has to do is get them to answer two or three questions, yes or no. And it's a, you know open and shut case. But she's talking to regular people who haven't committed any crime except wanting to be, you know, a member of the Trump administration or a Supreme Court or something like they that. A crime. Every single time. That's I mean, a heinous
1: crime. But see, well, she is trying to make the impression that I am, I am um, proper, I am right, I am special, and I am looking. They look, she looked down her nose at people, mm-hmm. she, and she wants the audience. Don't forget, the audience is her jewelry. She's a prosecutor. The audience, the public watching TV, is her jewelry. They know nothing about the case, but they know that they're all sitting below her, looking up to her. She's on the table, on the desk, and she is authority. She's a U.S. senator. And she's, she's assuming the role, I am right, you are wrong, and we're going to prove to the people. And in that case, out there, main you know, Democrats, they're assuming that that posture is correct. They're assuming that she's right, and coming on everyone else before her is wrong. Mm.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. I, so I, I was also kind of surprised because so the first day, the way C-SPAN and all of the different um, you know, news organizations, even Fox News, I went on YouTube and I was watching the streams there c- because I couldn't pull C-SPAN up because apparently their bandwidth isn't strong enough to handle confirmation hearings. They were broadcasting it, but I couldn't get to their website. So I went oh. on YouTube and I clicked through to a bunch of different sites just to see like what camera angle do they have because they're all in the same space and usually they, they get like, cordoned off. Well. The first day, they we could hear the protesters, but we couldn't see them because of the way the cameras were trained to only be on whoever was speaking on the judiciary panel or directly on Kavanaugh at his table. It was like a tight shot. Well, yesterday, when the people were erupting, the cameras were situated so that they could be moved. And I got to see there was actually a section of them. They were sitting in there and they would just wait until it was a proper time, a Republican speaking, and yep. then they would just go off. Like, I mean, just like. Epileptic seizure go off. Like it didn't, it looked like it was involuntary, like they were out of control of their own bodies. And they would do that for two or three minutes before the Capitol Police, who were big, burly guys. Like I was expecting people to get thrown out of there like Hillary Clinton was thrown into the back of her bus when she passed out, but instead they were gently removed. What, what, what's that?
1: Well, it's for sure. They're trying to be fair. I don't understand how you be fair with your enemy. I don't understand mm-hmm. how you be fair with someone trying to disrupt a proceeding. Uh, you do not have the right to disrupt you have the right to speak, but not to disrupt garment. so the proceeding is, is a sham. I, I wish that you don't have to be heard in that hearing room. you do not have to be heard. it's hard to be heard. You got to put a microphone pretty close to that section, and you're correct. We have one section for the for the uh, for the cases, and mm-hmm. I believe they have microphones out there with them. I have been in that room. it is very large, it's very difficult, and each 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 microphone is controlled. I would just turn the microphone off and only the, only the disc or the person speaking to me to be heard.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, but they were, so there's, if, if anybody is, if maybe you're feeling low and I was advised, you know, go to the word and say the scriptures aloud and prayer. And that lifts your spirits. It really does sing a song of joy to the Lord. But if you're looking for some, just straight up giggles, if you just want to laugh, you don't have to be sad. You could just want to laugh you go to the dailycaller.com, they have a, a piece up. It's just a pictorial. Uh, and it's it's called Sad Kavanaugh. So you click through thinking you're going to see pictures of, you know, Justice Kavanaugh looking sad. But instead of him, it's all of the different protesters. And let me tell you, this is an interesting looking bunch of people. Their dress, their their faces, and they've caught them all while their mouths are wide open and they're screaming. Some of them are being carried out Literally, arms, feet, everything's off the ground. They're being carried out like a little log, um, and some of them are literally kind of confronting the Capitol police. Who, God bless them, because you only know what it smelled like. It's just, it's just such a sad commentary right here. Because this is America. We believe in deodorant in this country, yeah. um, and and but you see them getting carried out and screaming. Their faces are red. They look sweaty, even while they're being arrested. They're they're yelling. Um, I, I, how do, how do we not see one party utilize this footage to their advantage in the upcoming election?
1: Well, if the Republican Party want to win, they would use that. But the Republican Party leadership seems to be embarrassed by victory. They, <laughs> they seem to be uh, quite comfortable of just being in power and having their lunch and tea. They're not fighting back. Trump is fighting back. We have to drag the Republican leadership with them. All the way. But you mentioned how they look and how they smell, that we all like the odorant. No, all of us do not like the odorant, dear. Um, uh, liberals liberals are sad because, I mean, think about the belief system to be a liberal. you got to believe that there'll be no more water in the future. There'll be no more food security in the future. People are trying to kill you with the food. They, they believe that we're gonna use, the oil is going to kill us. They're always sad. They don't use, they all use uh, makeup or shampoo because it's animal-tested. Uh, they... They're just sad people. So that's why they're always so grumpy and so mean and so hateful. And they don't wash anything because it's bad for the environment.
3: Well, I'm going to recommend that we all understand that um, the Lord is all and he is in all. And we can forgive, but nostrils never forget. I'm just going to say that on a Friday. On a Friday afternoon on the show, it's hard to forget. Your nostrils will not, they're not going to be spared. So, no, let's... liberals
1: are going to be liberals. We're told to turn away from them. You know, Jeremiah, I mean, Second uh, Timothy 3 tells us these people are going to be here, and we're not told to convince or convert. We're told to turn away from them. Turn away. So while we trying to spend our time, you could never convince a liberal of anything. But once they change their heart, if they come to you and say, can you, can you help me with this conservative thing? Can you show me what? Then you help them. But to talk to a liberal is like it's like trying to convince a fish about the desert. They have no competition.
3: And I'm going to give you guys that scripture that he just quoted. It's 2 Timothy 3, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. That's the scripture he read. And don't, don't shoot the messenger. That's straight out of the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And everyone
1: listening, everyone listening knows exactly who that modern day description is for. <laughs> everyone. True, be, enough. Be True enough. If you want to. But 10 if you want to. That is a direct description of what we're talking about and who we're talking about. And it says at the end, from them, turn away. <laughs> Stop giving them attention, folks.
3: We got to do better. We got to do better. But on a Friday, I think we did our best. We talked (laughs) to Mason Weaver. We got that wisdom. Thank you, sir. Talk to you next week. All right. Stay right or be left. It turns you a long (laughs) time to be wrong. All right. Have a great weekend. (laughs) Bye-bye. So we have more show for you. We're going to take calls in the next segment. And we're also going to listen to uh, Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul had an interesting, it's like a quick hot take. They asked him, how do you find this person? who wrote this op-ed and he had the very best answer. And I'm also going to show you how the answer that he gave, people will say, well, if Trump does that, that's illegal, but Obama did it first. So it's okay. Trump can do it too. (laughs) So we'll talk about that and take your calls at 866-963-2037 right after this.
4: I just thank God for the Holy Ghost. If you will let him, he really will teach you all things. Have you ever made an excuse to someone why you were unable to do something or why you couldn't attend a certain event instead of just being honest and telling them you just were not interested? I think many of us have. Well, that's lying. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17 says, an honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 in one translation says, dishonesty and business disgusts." The eternal. It disgusts God. But fair dealing delights Him. False witness utters lies. Be faithful and consistent with being honest with others. Stop with the excuses and be truthful. There is freedom when our integrity and character reflects our Savior Jesus Christ. What seems little to us are big to Him. With our heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com.
1: Here's Steve Tiber. Eight Days of Hope started after Hurricane Katrina, helping people in Bay St. Louis, Waveland, Mississippi, rebuild their homes back in 2005. Since then, this faith-based ministry has gone nationwide, and we've helped out dozens of cities, dozens of areas of the country, after hurricanes, tornadoes, flooding, or even snowstorms. And now you get a chance to be a difference maker. Eight Days of Hope 16. You can be the hands and feet of Jesus down in Houston from October 13th to October 20th. You can come for as little as three days or stay all eight days. We provide the food and lodging. We're looking for skilled professionals and people like me who are less skilled and just want to give back. For more information, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. Click on the event, 8 Days of Hope 16, read the FAQs, and learn more about how you can make a difference with 8 Days of
0: Hope. Learn more and sign up to be a part of 8 Days of Hope 16 in Houston, Texas at 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. a minute with Howard Kurtz New Yorker editor
1: David Remnick had a pretty provocative idea. Invite Steve Bannon to the annual New Yorker Festival as one of the featured guests. He says, look, it'll be an interview. I'll engage him and we'll test his views. And there was an eruption, an explosion online. New Yorker readers very unhappy about this. And some of the featured Hollywood guests that probably put people in the seats at these events said, I'm out. Judd Apatow, the producer, Jim Carrey, the comedian and actor said, I will not appear at the festival if Steve Bannon does. So what happened? Remnick caved. He caved to the pressure. He disinvited. Bannon. His explanation, well, you know, a lot of the anger was aimed at me and some members of my staff reached out to say they objected to the invitation. I don't want well-meaning readers and staff members to think I've ignored their concerns. And so he just decided to get rid of Bannon. Bannon now calling him gutless. He wanted to appear. What he said was one of the most fearless journalists of his generation. That won't happen. There's a pattern here of caving under pressure on these free speech matters. With your media minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I think if you have a security
2: clearance in the White House, um, I think it would be acceptable to use a lie detector test and
0: ask people whether or not they're uh, talking to the media against the uh, policy of the White House.
3: Yeah, and 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 just don't don't be don't be perplexed, y'all. Welcome back to the show. No need to be perplexed because guess what? Barack Obama did that. He actually prosecuted staff leakers, gave lie detector tests, and some people said he was kind of paranoid about it. Now, I don't think it's paranoia. If you have leaks going on in your administration, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, if you have people who are working for you and earning those big bucks and carrying those prestigious badges around, I've been to the White House enough to know those badges carry a lot of power. When those porters that work at the White House, so they, they have these porters, right? And the porters, they have a lot of power too. They're dressed up. So if you attend a function there, there's two, there's two interactions you can have with these people. They're the Capitol Police and the security that are around the White House. And they have the ultimate power. They can just tell you to leave. They can tell you to get out. But they can also tell you to remove yourself from a certain space. If you go into a room that that room is about to be occupied by someone important like the president... They'll usher you out. And they don't ask you. They just say, I need you to step this way. Please step this way. They say it really pleasantly. And by the time you realize what's happening, you're already outside that room and the door is shut and there's somebody standing in front of it and you can't get back in. You can only get in if you have some kind of a pass. And there's like a system. They know who belongs where and, and that's how you get going to wherever you're going. And so when I say these White House hard pass holders have a, an amazing amount of it's, it's prestigious, it's powerful, it is special to get tapped to work for the White House. It is special to continue to hold that position. It's special to be able to walk up to one of the gates that surround the White House and step up to that person at that gate and show them your hard pass. And instead of them vetting you and asking for your driver's license and putting your name in the computer to see if you're on the list for the day, for that hour, for that very specific time, as they do with people like me, when I'm given a pass, it's it's not a hard pass at all. I show my driver's license. They check my name. They ask me who I'm there to see. They check the list for that staffer. That staffer's list has to have my name, and my name has to be the same on my driver's license as it is in the computer. If they leave an initial off or misspell my name, I'm not getting in. Meanwhile, hard pass holders are just strolling on by because that is their right because they hold hard passes. They have access. So you're walking around in this rarefied elite world you're a white house staffer senior level staffer at that you're one of a thousand or so people who can walk in and out of the white house because that's your job because you have a hard pass for the eisenhower executive office complex as well as the white house you have access to the president this person claims to have taken papers off of the president's desk which i don't believe for one second and this is how they repay that that honor There's also the issue of this individual stepping outside of what the voters have said. This isn't a country of staff people running the country. Staffers don't run this country. The voters do. And we elect representatives for ourselves that go forward and put forward policies that go along with what they promised when they were running. So President Trump, elected. White House staffer, not elected. So I sincerely hope the president moves forward with some... These people have to be they have to be revetted and individuals who are under suspicion of being the ones who wrote this piece have to go through the lie detector process. And anybody else like he he said in one of the gaggles, So the president has been traveling. He's been on Air Force One up and down, up and down. And as he's doing that. Uh, The press is, uh, you know, with with him and they sometimes will have this informal gaggle where he comes back and sometimes it's off the record and sometimes it's on. And during one of the gaggles, he said, you know, um, this is this is not okay for people to um, to to say that they're doing, you know, taking things off of my desk. That never happened. He also said that he's not. Uh, He's he's he wants the person investigated and prosecuted and that, that the Department of Justice is doing just that. Then he wants the New York Times to release the name and that he doesn't want them to do this again because it undermines the authority of not just the president and the executive branch, but it undermines the authority of voters who elected Donald Trump and put him there. And here's the other thing. If you think for five seconds. That this is only something that happens to someone who's awful and horrible like Donald Trump. This could never happen to anyone else. He deserves this because of who he is and what he said about immigrants or white supremacists or whatever your beef is. Just wait until the worm turns. It will be the turn of the other party that is condoning this to have someone working on their staff who is a plant and doesn't really want to be there or doesn't want the success of the policies that they're putting forward. And that person will leak and that person will write anonymous op-eds. And maybe the New York Times will publish it, but they can go to Breitbart or anybody else and get it published. They can put it up on their own blog. They can post it to Scribd. Anyone with a bone to pick in the next administration, if it happens to be run by the opposing party, they now have the blueprint. How do you undermine the presidency of a party that you don't like? How do you undermine the will of the American people by just writing anonymous op-eds and getting what used to be upstanding, fine media organizations that have completely lost their way—just get one of them to publish it. So this is something that, sure, we're dealing with it, we're seeing, but it has to be brought to a conclusion, and that's why I thought it was so important that um, Rand Paul said, you know, that any anyone who's working in this position in the White House, they're really the the lie detector thing. Like, you can say, I don't want to take it, and then they just let you go. So it's not really optional. It's not like you can say, ah, oh, I don't think I want to take a lie detector. Yeah, you're going to take one. If, if he says everybody on this, in this wing is going to take this lie detector test, it's going to be your turn and you're going to take it. And that's going to be the end of it. But so, you know, you got a security clearance. You're in the White House. You're working there. You should be willing to submit unless you're the actual writer of the op-ed. So I think Rand Paul's right. Uh, I think it's a good thing for the president to do to execute that authority and to make sure that people who might be considering doing something like this, because the New York Times has not ruled out the editor who published this anonymous op-ed has not ruled out publishing more of them. Imagine the mayhem. Every time something happens that the opposing party doesn't like, this anonymous op-ed writer just can write whatever they want. How do you vet that? Without the name, how do you vet it? Because the people in the White House, it's like responding to a ghost. So it's the wrong thing for us to have happening here. And, and I can't believe anyone who has an iota of integrity within them would ever say, yeah, this is right. It's what needs to be done. Everyone, I mean, even we're going to have some audio next hour of, uh, of Megyn Kelly. Even, even Megyn Kelly feels that this is an absolute ridiculous prospect and she's hardly a fan of the president. I mean, come on. She's hardly is, doesn't even begin to understand. She, this woman dislikes president Trump, but it's not about the feelings now, is it? So remember this, we have, we have an example of how this, what, what this looks like when Harry Reid was in charge of the Senate, he eliminated the filibuster rule because they wanted to ram through a bunch of really inappropriate activist judges And when they couldn't get Republicans to come across the aisle and vote with them, they eliminated the filibuster and the nuclear option. And when they did so, Mitch McConnell said, this will come back to haunt you because we don't support eliminating this because it is something that we have had as a part of the Senate rules, and we've agreed to it in a bipartisan fashion every administration, regardless of party, up until this point but they did it anyway. And now you have Democrats, just check freebeacon.com. You have Democrats all over the television talking about, well, I don't like this. I don't like not being able to filibuster. I don't like not having the ability to, to block nominees that I don't agree with. Well, you're not in the majority. And so you don't get to do that. And so they may very well be in the majority again and, you know, bully for them. But right now, as you heard Dr. Lance say on the show yesterday, we're talking about one-eighth of all the judges have now been replaced with conservative textualists. I mean, praise God. That's fantastic. Because that means the law is going to be the same for you and me and any high and mighty person and anyone that's down low. And remember, no, no one's actually legitimately down low. In God's sight, we are all the same. It's either sinner or saved, but all the same level. There are no higher-ups and lower-downs with God. And so we... we We want that kind of blind justice in this country. We want to return to the rule of law because it's not fair when a a lowly soldier gets prosecuted for taking pictures in a submarine, but a high and mighty former first lady gets to walk free and wear those house suits all over the place and continue to comment on politics while she destroyed emails and allowed national security secrets to be accessed by the Chinese and, and, and other foreign operators. That's not fair. Those pictures didn't hurt anybody. Should, now, should he have been prosecuted? Well, I mean, that's up to his commanding officer. Should he have been jailed for that? Absolutely not. Should Hillary be walking around free without being prosecuted? No. Not, not in a country where justice is blind and the rule of law, it's a, a nation of laws and not men. And that's what the founders were talking about. When we get to a place where it's a nation of men, then that means the elites, the powerful, the well-connected, they can operate with impunity. And the little peons will keep bumping up against the law because there's so much of it. So I I just thought that was uh, pretty fascinating that Rand Paul had that. It was a great idea, fantastic idea. Um, And I also love that um, Mason Weaver last segment dropped that 2 Timothy 3. We sometimes forget about that scripture. Isn't it something that in the Bible, God's word calls out this behavior of men way back when the Bible was written, and we see it happening right here today. And that's, not, that, that's because it's, this is the behavior of man. It's not because this is unique behavior to our time. It's because it's the behavior of man and that wherever there are men, you're going to have people operating within this. And I want to give the remainder of that. Uh, chapter three, because it it's you kind of get the rough stuff in that first verses. Uh, chapter three, one through nine. But in verse 10, the Bible says in Second Timothy three, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred things which are able to give you wisdom that lead to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus." All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. And so in all these things, whether we're talking about politics or we're going to get into uh, some conversations about the stonewalling that we saw from Cory Booker's office, we're going to have Richard Lim, creator of this American president podcast, come on and talk about George Washington's farewell address and what it says about foreign policy and political parties and religion. Um, we're going to listen to that little bit of audio from Megan Kelly. But in the end, we know God's word is true. It's profitable to us. It's health to our bones. It's life to us. And it gives us wisdom. It sharpens our minds and it reproves us. It helps us to know when we're right or left. It, it is our guiding lodestar. It, it keeps us on the right path and it keeps us from being incorrect. And when we are incorrect, we know which way we have to get back to, to be right. And so That means we have to study it so that we know what it says. We have to study it so that our minds can be sharpened, so that we are not easily deceived. That is something that I really think we see a lot of right now as people who are easily deceived because they don't have wisdom because they haven't cracked open their word. They haven't read enough to know enough to be able to discern when people are lying to them. And then what happens is you see the kind of anger that we saw at that, that hearing. The Kavanaugh hearings have been filled with Angry people acting out like toddlers and no insult to the toddlers with their juicy thighs and their juicy little faces and their sweet little demeanors and their wonderful little smurfy voices. No insult to them. But toddlers can throw a tantrum. And that's what we saw from these adults tantruming because in their deception, they don't know how to deal with the reality and the truth that is smacking them in the face, which is Kavanaugh is not just eminently qualified, but he deserves a place on the Supreme Court because he will He he might anger conservatives. He might anger Republicans with some of his rulings, but that is not going to temper him in any way. He will not be driven by politics or by what he feels someone in power wants. He's going to evaluate and be a true referee of the law instead of making law. And instead of creating law, he's going to be interpreting the Constitution as it is written abiding by that, because that is the job of a Supreme Court justice. So that knowledge in and of itself was enough to send a whole bunch of people off to Looney, Looney land because they've been deceived. They can't see the truth. They can't discern the truth. The truth is an anathema to them because they are living in deception and completely ruled by their feelings and their emotions. It's ugly to watch. We can't be those people. That's why we have to read our word. When we get back with our two, we're going to have more Stacy on the right for you. Stay tuned for important messages from Fox News and OneNewsNow.com.